Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And I was joking with our guests today just a moment ago before we came on that my music is so 70s. I don't think I've ever admitted to it, but maybe people <laughs> have been thinking about that for six or seven years. So I think at some point it's time to change. Yeah. And as we chatted, uh, Donna, one of our guests, and I have been here for about the same length of time, and it you know, go, dates almost back to the 70s, right, Donna? That's right. <laughs> we hit early 80s, <laughs> yes, and both of us as high school graduates from uh, Arizona here. So please help me welcome to the studio Aldo Aprile. Yep, there you go. I got Aprile. it. CPA with Aprile CPA. Welcome so much. Thank you so much, Karen. It's yes. a pleasure to be here. Thrilled to have you. And then I already kind of gave a shout out to Donna Rogers. With our conversation about being here for so, so long, she is the Legacy and Gift Planning Manager with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. So, Aldo, you are responsible for this segment today. You connected with us on LinkedIn, which I so appreciate and love. Yeah, I think you had watched uh, one of the interviews I did with Social Spin with Christy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, actually, uh, I know Christy through uh, Valley Leadership you know, about 10 years ago. What just, class? What class? Oh, of course, it's class number 35, best class ever. We are required to say that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, we was kept in touch with her husband, too. Great people, as you know. She started Social Spin, being a big follower. And, you know, one day I was on LinkedIn. I'm like, she's on the radio. I got to check this out. And, well, after that, I reached out to you. And uh, here we are. I'm so pleased. And I said, as I often do with guests, and it makes sense. We've vetted you like you've got an incredible business and you're just a servant leader. I said, who would you like to bring oh, yeah. uh, with you and give you some ideas? Sometimes people bring clients. Sometimes folks uh, bring power partners or that sort of thing. And you decided you wanted to make sure we had a chance to feature a very important organization. So, uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, yeah, who do you know that really makes an impact in the Valley? And uh, St. Vince de Paul came came to mind. It's just such a good organization. You know, I can't say enough. I mean, you know, it's once you let, get to, and you still get to know what they do in the Valley, it makes a huge impact yep. to, you know, the community. So that, I think that's great. I love it. We've had someone from your organization on Donna a couple of times in the last six or seven years, and I learned something new every time. So I'm very excited to have you represent the crew today and share what you're up to recently. So on that note, I would love for each of you to a little bit more in depth, introduce yourselves, tell us about your role, you know, with your organization, of course, your business, and a little bit of how you landed there, and then we'll get into a, a deeper conversation. So either one of you can start for us. Um, sure, I'll yeah. start first. Rock, paper, scissor, right? There you go. <laughs> so I actually, well, let's start at the beginning, I guess. I moved to the Valley in 95. I actually finished high school at Shallow Mountain High School. Oh. Then I moved on to uh, ASU, got my accounting degree there. And uh, in 2004, I got my CPA license in Arizona. So, so oh gosh, it's almost 20 years, you know, realized. And I've been lucky enough to work for large organizations the accounting function or whatnot, but really my calling is, you know, working with uh, small businesses. My family is a family of entrepreneurs. So although it's great to work for a corporation, it's got, you know, great benefits or whatnot, I kind of like wanted to see the actual, what I could do on my own and stuff like that. So I did that for a while, then got roped back into the corporate world. And then I reminded me of why I like to work with small business owners. So 
here I am, and, you know, I have a small practice. It's very specialized in regards to we only work with business owners and help them improve their cash flow, optimize their profits, and try to save money on taxes. That's that's about it, right? And uh, it's fun to help other businesses really achieve their goals, whatever that may be. I love the clarity that you have. And and I knew that there was great clarity about who you're here to serve. When I read your bio, usually I get a bio that's, you know, several paragraphs long. Aldo simply says, uh, an ASU grad who's been in uh, the CPA game since 2004, yes, that long, he says, <laughs> has a knack for turning financial gibberish into plain English. He's the go-to for business owners who'd rather not use their financial statements as just coffee coasters. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And, and a great sense of humor as well. We had a chance to get to know each other a little bit in a kind of a Zoom call ahead of time to really see if this made sense to have this right. conversation today. And it's been a great joy to get to know you already. Awesome. Likewise. So Donna, let's have you introduce yourself as well, please. Sure. Um, well, as we discussed, I've been in Arizona for quite a while. I'm not going to tell you how many uh -huh. years. Um, but uh, just as far as my uh, work background, I, um, I worked in the legal field for 23 years. I was a paralegal for a good part of that, and uh, another good part of that, because that's a long time, I did legal marketing. And I just want to say we didn't do television commercials. We did education. So we would go out and talk to potential clients, people that needed information, professionals, to be able to uh, kind of give them some information about the law. And the focus was really on estate planning and elder law. And so um, in my uh, capacity in legal marketing, I was also invited to sit on many boards of nonprofits. And as I was sitting on the boards, it, you just, you know how you have that pathway that just leads you to where you need to be? And that's what it did. And as I was sitting there, I go, why am I just on the board? Why aren't I working here? And so I went to a couple of the CEOs that I was on the board with and told them and within literally, I don't know if it was weeks or months, I got a call and that's how I shifted careers into nonprofit. Wow. And I will tell you that I wasn't with St. Vincent de Paul. I worked at two others. And when I got to the point about 11 years ago where I decided, you know, I want something that fits a little bit more with me and St. Vincent de Paul fit the bill. And the truth of it is, one of my co-partners on one of the boards was at St. Vincent de Paul. So that was, I'm telling you, it was a path <laughs> made led, to be. made to be. I like what you said about every time you hear about St. Vincent de Paul, you learn something new. I've been there almost 11 years. I'm still learning stuff new. And we're still changing and adapting to be able to help people in need here in Arizona. So, 11 years is mm -hmm. a long time. And the fact that you're still learning new things. I can't imagine that there's anybody listening, but there will be, or watching on LinkedIn, who isn't familiar with your organization. But let's just have you explain it as if someone has fresh, you know, fresh heart and fresh ears. Who are you and, and who do you help? What, what, uh, what mission are you looking to solve? Well, actually, it's really simple. For all the stuff that we do, I have four words that can tell you what we do. Feed, clothe, house, and heal. And if you need any of those services, we're there for you. But our mission is actually two-pronged because not only are we providing services to those who need food, health, 
clothing, and so forth. But we're also giving the community an opportunity to help because people out there want to feel like they're making a difference. So we provide the help and we provide the opportunity to help to the community. Super easy. And I know why you asked Donna to come and join us. That makes great sense. Um, I I believe I'm familiar too, Donna, with... um, the beautiful alignment with other organizations that are there, other nonprofits that are there to serve. Can you speak to a little bit about that? Because like you had mentioned, although with um, Social Spin and Christy's organization, I can't remember which interview you had listened to. We've had her on a couple of times. She was here with Clipped Art that does haircuts, mobile haircutting, mm-hmm. right? Are you familiar with them? No. Okay. But this idea that we can be in alignment with each other, whether we're for profit or not for profit, there's enough business and enough need to go around. So could you speak a little bit to, um, for those folks listening, they're either serving on a board or they're volunteers for a different organization. If they hear you speak today, where is their alignment for other organizations with St. Vincent de Paul? I would love to do that because one of the big things that St. Vincent de Paul does is collaborate with others. Um, The last thing you want to do is recreate the wheel if someone is already doing very well in a specific area. Um, We'd rather call them in and work side by side to help people than try to recreate everything. So having said that, I'll just give you a couple of examples that we've done. Um, We have... uh, one of the things we do where we collaborate with others is we have a very large kitchen pre- and preparing 7,000 meals a day. Mm. But we not only uh, provide them to our dining room and to the people that we serve, but we have about a 20 other nonprofits that are helping people but don't have kitchen facilities. So we provide, prepare and provide the meals to them so they can do their work. Mm. So that's one way we do it. Uh, another way we do it on the, the opposite side is there's certain things that we we don't do as an organization, but we know the people we serve need that help. For example, substance abuse, domestic violence, could be a variety of things that um, we don't really focus on, but that's when we'll call in colleagues, so to speak, in the nonprofit area to help so we can work together side by side. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I had mentioned to both of you before we went live, if you have questions or as you have questions for each other, since you're just getting to know each other today, please jump in there and ask. I don't have to be the only one lobbing questions uh. at you. So please feel free to do that. Um, I, I appreciate that that round overview, and I look mm-hmm. forward to, to hearing more. Although, let's go back to you and your story. You mentioned that you grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious a little bit about what that was like as as a, a boy or a young man, and had you always known that you wanted to own your own business? And then, and then why did you land in this particular finance industry? Well, what kid doesn't want to be an accountant? <laughs> uh, this one. <laughs> I, I can't. I, listen, I had to teach third grade because beyond third grade, the math was out of my reach. I am not kidding about that. <laughs> so... I, uh, that's all you know when you grow up as, from a kid. It's from a family of entrepreneurs. My parents used to have a restaurant back in the old country in Peru. And I, I grew up in that environment. You don't know anything that my other siblings have different businesses or whatnot. And that's all you know. So you see how much work there is, how much struggle there is. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to get my degree and I'm just going to get a corporate job. Easy peasy. No problems. But, you know, once you're in it, and I'm like, there is something missing here. And I, I you just cannot quant- quantify it. This is, you know, and that, that kind of like, you know what? I need to try this on my own. This is kind of in my blood, or this is how I grew up. So I went out on my own. My The best timing, right before the uh, Great Recession started. I remember us talking about right? that. Right. 
So my time is just impeccable. Great learning opportunities, nevertheless. Navigating, you know, when everybody's making money, everything is awesome, and that's great. It's just uh, their learning opportunities are when things don't work out as people expected or whatnot. So that's great opportunity uh, to learn to uh, to navigate circumstances that sometimes don't happen in a lifetime, really, right? So that that's part of your now my tool belt to be able to address situations if that happens again. Perhaps that's why I went back to the corporate world. I'm like, you know, I need to take a break from, you know, this learning process. Went back to the corporate world. And again, the reminder, you know what? Really where I excel is working with fellow business owners. And you know, the corporate world is nice, but it's just not for me. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. Love it. Always good at math. I would say I'm fairly decent. I always say, you know, what accountants are good at, or CPAs, are looking at words and translating that into numbers and vice versa. The story around the, the numbers. The story around the numbers. Because sometimes it's not about the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every time that I talk to somebody, it's like, I want to do X, Y, Z. What does it take dollars-wise to make that happen? Mm-hmm. So those are the conversations that we have in regards to, you know, number one, what your goal is and where are we at? And how do we reach that gap numbers-wise? But mm-hmm. sometimes it's just different, right? I can tell you, hey, if you do X, Y, Z, and you put X number of dollars into a retirement account, that's it. Well, you know what? Guess what? I need to buy a bigger house. I need to buy a car. My kid needs to go to college. So there's a lot of factors that are not business-related. But guess what? You are the owner of business, and you need, you're counting on money or cash flow or whatever that may be. So we need to take a holistic picture of the of your whole situation, and they make decisions on that. Mm -hmm. What is the difference then between, or is there a difference between a CPA, uh, a bookkeeper, and a tax preparer? Oh, man, that's a really good question. So a bookkeeper is, I would say, someone that will do your books, right? That person does not Mm -hmm. need to be certified at all, right? Um, They're just really good people that have a knack for numbers, and they're great at just doing the books. They may have learned through experience or whatnot, but... Again, there's no certification needed from anyone or even college degrees. There's people just learn by working in a CPA's office or just, you just have a knack for it, right? A CPA is somebody who has actually, it's a license that is issued by the state. Each state issues the license for, you know, again, the Arizona Board of Accountancy will issue uh, a CPA license. And... You know, you have to meet certain requirements. Like nowadays, you need a master's degree and so many hours of accounting and so many CPE hours, like 80 hours every two years or whatnot. So it's very stringent. We are definitely ruled by a set of standards that are higher than the average person. So now I'm going to tell you this. You do not have to be a CPA to prepare taxes for other people. You know, there is such a thing called as an enrolled agent. So there is people that are great. They have that enrolled agent designation. When they say enrolled agent, that means they're enrolled with the IRS. So they need to, again, take a test and get qualified. I'm not sure what the details on that is. But again, the IRS will vet them and approve them being them an enrolled agent or mm-hmm. whatnot. And what was the other one? CPA, bookkeeper, and uh, accountant? Tax preparer, yeah. Yeah, and, and a tax preparer. And yeah, it could be a tax preparer could be either an enrolled agent or a CPA. Yeah. Or somebody that works under that under them. So the and I actually did a video on that. Make sure this person is licensed, whether it's a CPA or enrolled agent. Sometimes there is people say, "Oh yeah, I'll prepare your tax returns, but I won't sign for them." 
So if they're not going to sign your return, you don't have them prepare it. <laughs> well, you're assuming all the responsibility, right. Right. right? It's like, oh, I know this great guy and he's aggressive and he will do this and he will do that. And I'm like, is he going to sign your return? Well, he told me that, you know, whatever, you sign it and everything is okay. I'm like, again, you are assuming all responsibility mm-hmm. on that. You just can't, let's say if you get selected for an audit, well, you know, I just talked to this guy and he never signed for it. Well, doesn't matter. That that's that's on you. That's your responsibility mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Hmm. Interesting. What makes your business, your practice unique? How do you how do you identify, you know, who's a best fit for you? And when you when people say yes, we want to work with you, what what are they, you know, yeah. specifically looking for and listening for? So that's a great question. So um and I'm gonna steal this from a, a good friend of mine, Shannon Weinstein. Where she said, "I'm not your uh, April 15 one night stand." So meaning, <laughs> so meaning, what it is is if you're looking for somebody, and again, I work with business owners. You say, "Oh, sure, this tax season is April 14. I'm going to call this guy. I'm going to bang this out." I'm not your guy. So really, what I excel as is uh, helping you devise a tax plan and implement it. So you can save money on taxes. Over and over and over again. Right, exactly. That's the goal. And what you do is in a proactive manner. So if you talk to me about 2023 and how I can save money on taxes, most of the opportunities are gone. Now, there's a couple of things that you can do here and there, but really the bulk of things are gone because you need to implement these uh, plans throughout the year in 2020. Let's say 2024 now. If you want to save money for 2024, the time to have that conversation is now, not on February of next year. Right. Type of deal. So that makes it a little bit different. I work with you throughout the whole year. Again, if you again, business owners are always willing and dealing. You know, if something happens in June, let's get on a call or a meeting and say, hey, this is what's going on. What else, what are the tax implications of this? So that's what makes my practice different in that regard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I hadn't thought about the alignment other than really you saying I want this to be around servant leadership and include St. Vincent to Paul. Uh, money is hard to come by these days for a yes. lot of people. I remember serving years ago in my daughter, who's now 27, serving meals. And I remember feeling, I must have been in my mid-30s, maybe younger than that, feeling so distant from the person I was handing a plate and food to. Not better necessarily, but I couldn't relate to the situation they're in. Years later, I did it. Um, probably two years before COVID, two or three years for COVID my, with my youngest, who's 16. And oh my goodness, eyeball to eyeball, I could see myself in them, especially because I had been through some financial difficulties and challenges over the course of those years. And I thought, I'm one paycheck away from being homeless. I'm one paycheck away from not being able to put food on the table. So um, I think this is an important conversation around money, especially when we're business owners. <laughs> or even just responsible citizens to manage our money. And of course, the conversation around financial literacy is, is uh, such an active conversation. And I can tell you that I continue to struggle. I was, I was joking about math, right? <laughs> it's not really a joke. I have a difficult time with numbers. So all that being said, what have you seen in 11 years, Donna, uh, around the folks that you're serving and the conversations that you're help, able to help families and individuals through the work that you all do to help them to get back on their feet. So that's one part of the question. I'll come back to the next piece. Well, I would say the first thing we do is listen because everybody's story is different. How they ended up where they are is a unique story to them. 
We don't take things for granted. We listen to make sure that all the needs that led that, or I mean, all the things that led up to them having that need are addressed so they don't fall backward and do the same thing again. Um, having said that, uh, we we serve the, the the whole spectrum. I mean, we serve, you know, I want to call it triage. That's probably not the right word. It's a but, fantastic word, though. But, but the idea is they're coming to us, I'm starving. I need something to eat. We feed them. Okay, now let's talk. Why are you hungry? Why, why don't you have food? Why don't you have a house? I just lost my job, I, you know, whatever. Like you said, many people are just one paycheck away from being on the street. So we look at all of that. So we try, first of all, we try prevention. So we tr provide uh, rent and utility assistance so people don't end up on the street. But once they are on the street, then we work with them to find shelter, Obviously, the basic needs, the whole feed, clothe, house, and heal, um, and also um, just workforce readiness so that they can get back on their feet and find their home. And I'll share one quick thing with you that I think is really cool. One of our um, shelters that we have, it's called Oz in a Manor, and we have this whole wall of folks who have been residents there, and they're all holding something very special. It's a set of keys, and it's the keys to their home. Nice. They were able to make it through um, with the case manager, find out what was going on in their life that they needed to fix to be able to find their own home. And they have these huge smiles and they're holding up their keys and there's a whole wall full of these pictures. So that just in a, in a visual, that tells you exactly what we do. And for years. <laughs> yes. Many yes. years. Many, many years. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I'm thinking about as it relates to money is specifically with your role for St. Vincent de Paul, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, gifts and donations mm -hmm. and um, speak a little bit to where the funding comes from and how important it is for folks who have been successful or have that mindset where they want to give back. How does that all work with, with your organization? Well, anybody can help, first of all. Um, there's never a gift that's too small. It, and as a matter of fact, when I have people who want to give me a small gift, in their mind is a small gift, and they say, gee, I wish it could be more, my response is to the person who's getting the meal that is starving, it's everything. So don't ever feel that way. So having said that, we have a lot of different ways you can give. I love the fact that you keep using the term servant leader because we do have a leadership society and the name of it is the Servant Leader Society. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's part of helping others and also serving, which is what we're trying to do. As far as ways to give, the focus I have, because we have a team, but the focus I have is more on a monthly giving and I'm going to just say that if you're a tax credit donor and you give every month at the end of the year, you have your tax credit. And there you go. The other thing I do because of my background in legal with estate planning and elder law, um, I focus on plan giving. And that's where I have to laugh with you about the license because I actually have on my monitor at work, it has a tombstone. And on the tombstone, it says, I still can't give tax advice <laughs> because, because what I do is I get people asking me these questions that you should be answering. Right. And I'm like, I have to say, I can give you very general information, but I'm not a tax advisor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a CPA. I go down the list. And, um, and that's why having collaboration with professionals in those fields helps us because then our, our donors can know that they're doing the right thing for their particular situation. 
But yeah, plan giving and monthly giving and just taking care of our donors, that's what I do. Great. Let's stay on the tax credit piece because I'd love to hear from Aldo. Can anybody take advantage of tax credits and, and what is that like? Pretty much anyone that actually has a tax liability. And what that means is not like, oh, I'm going to get a refund on my taxes. It's if you actually have taxable income and you get paying taxes to the state, you can get uh, you can benefit from this tax credit. So the max for 2023, if you're married filing jointly, is $841, right? And the best news, you can still contribute for 2023 until April 15th of this year. Just make sure you don't file your taxes before that. Mm-hmm. So if you, I mean, what my suggestion is talk to your tax professional, figure out your own money. You haven't donated yet, right? Go ahead. You know, if you say, hey, you owe money, you can literally donate today $841 to the charity of your choice, same as the bomb in this case, mm-hmm. right? Get that receipt today or tomorrow. Give it to your tax professional. Finish a tax return. And by the time you, you you get your refund, your credit card bill is going to come. You turn around, you pay it off. And it's a full refund. And it's a full refund of up to $841. Now, if you're not able to use the whole credit, the good news is you can carry that credit for five years. I did not know that. Yeah, you can carry it. So, again, sometimes it's, if you have the ability at this point in time to give, mm-hmm. you're able to do that hmm. and carry that credit for five years. And, again, I understand Cash is stuff on everybody, you know, whether you're an employee or a business owner or whatnot, but especially right now, if you know you're going to owe, it's very easy. Make that contribution uh, because, you know, what I hear a lot of people, perhaps you, you guys have done the same, or ladies, I apologize, is, you know what, I feel powerless. You know, we, we mm-hmm. cannot tell the government how to spend our money. This is your opportunity it to sure tell is. the government how you want your taxes working for you in the community. Donna, I would love to hear what's rattling through your, oh, your heart yeah. and mind. <laughs> what you just said, I mean, you're going to have to pay it, right? Yeah. So if you can either pay it to Arizona and let them decide how to spend it, or you can look at what's near and dear to your heart. And if you have a passion for helping hungry or helping people who are living on the streets, then give it to an organization, St. Vincent de Paul. <laughs> uh, whoops. That... Um, <laughs> That's what I get for mentioning. (laughs) Um, So, but I mean, give it to an organization that serves something that you know you can feel really good about your tax money. I mean, you're going to pay it anyway. Why not feel good about it? Right, right. And how about what kind of an impact do these tax donations have? What is your experience? I will tell you probably one of the biggest sources of money at St. Vincent de Paul from individuals is because of the tax credit. It's, you know, the state's doing something that is very important because if St. Vincent de Paul wasn't there, the state would be trying to figure out help, how to help these people. So we do what we do best, and the state gives us the way to be able to fund what we do do best. Mm-hmm. Having said that, um, I can give you, you know, I, I did I did bring a cheat sheet um, because I knew uh, how much could you do with $841. And so um, just as an example, uh, that would mean 186 meals in our family dining room. And when I say that, it's not just providing a can of corn. It's the preparation of the meals with all the the fixing, so to speak, nutritionally done and served. And if you come to our family dining room, you get served restaurant style. 
Hmm. We have volunteers who are waiters and waitresses that come up and uh, serve. Um, so that's just for the feeding part of it. Part of it. But if you wanted to uh, support one of the uh, residents in our Ozina Manor, uh, which is our transitional shelter, the one with the keys I was telling you about, um, that's three hundred and eighty-four dollars for a week, and that provides the shelter, the food, everything that they need to live. Think about what you do in your home, that's what they're doing at Oz in a Manor. So think about your expenses. And then another way to put it too is it would be 16 food boxes that we would deliver to families. And if I could just share um, a little bit about how that model works, because that model was started in 1833. And it was started in Paris, France by uh, a lawyer, of all things, again, that pathway was just there, um, who was challenged about what to help, what to do to help those in need. And he started to gather some of his colleagues and go visit people to find out what they needed. There's a big thing in there called dignity. When people are in need, they're embarrassed, they're afraid, they want to feel like they're not a problem, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And, and so our goal is to make sure that we serve them with dignity, which is one of the reasons why we go into the home. And we have about 3,000 volunteers called Vincentians who do that. And they do it all over uh, central and northern Arizona. And while they're there, though, they're trained because they can see if the kids are sleeping on the floor or maybe they need clothes or whatever. We're able to help them with those things that maybe they didn't know St. Vincent de Paul could do. And so that is when we go to visit, we bring a food box. And those are the food boxes that I was talking about. Almost every visit includes a food box and then some. And that's what we do. What great history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's incredible. It, it has me thinking about a couple of folks. Um, again, Christy with Social Spin, she really has taught me so much about the dignity gap and really how deserving all of us are for just basic dignity. So thank you for hiding that. And and if you haven't listened to either of the shows with Christy, I recommend it because it really helps us focus on how to be other-minded and um, pop ourselves out of, you know, maybe our, just the the doldrums of our our life. We all have challenges, right? Mm -hmm. But a conversation like today with both of you really helps me think, okay, what else can I be doing, right? The other thing is a friend has written a book called The Dignity Gap, and it's a great book around, again, just the basic needs of compassion and dignity isn't earned. (laughs) It's just a basic human right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very great conversation today. Do you have questions for each other? And and I'm I'm just curious, what are you learning from each other? Is any any question that you have for each other? And then I have a couple more questions for you as well. Anything that you can think of that you'd want to? I'm drawing a blank right well, now. Well, because you're both so thorough. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm sure I have a million questions. So yeah, I've, good. Um, and I, I love your background too, Donna, because it, I mean, it's, it's fascinating how um, it kind of this whole conversation around money and being um, very mindful of it and creating those legacies that you mm-hmm. spoke to when you talk about mm-hmm. um, that your role specifically with the organization. Uh, so again, ask questions of each other if, if they come up and no pressure to not do that because I'm, I'm very well versed at doing that. I would love, Aldo, for you to talk about um, for people, business owners specifically, right, the small business owner who um, maybe there has been in the business for a while or new and they're 
realizing and aware that they need to know more about uh, tax liabilities as well as tax advantages and that sort of thing. Do you yourself provide tips or you can you recommend somewhere where folks can go and get information? Yeah, actually, I just started a YouTube channel. So I've been posting oh, uh, videos actually about tax credits. So I'm talking about all the tax credits that are available for Arizona. So if you actually add them up, you could get up to $5,000 in tax credits. So yeah, and you're like, which ones, right? <laughs> right. So uh, real quick, there is the QCO, which is a qualified charitable organization. Again, again, make, make sure, and again, look at it. You can watch the video. That same business Paul, and there is a sizable list of other organizations as well that may speak to you or whatnot uh, in regards to donations, but also is the qualified foster, foster care organizations as well. That's a separate credit. And in addition can, to in addition to it's not either or right also another thing that people miss don't think about especially if you got kids or you know nephews that go to school public school you can get up to four hundred dollars you can donate to a public school and i'm talking mary filing jointly here mm-hmm. again you you know i mean let's say for example you want to support a some kind of sports team or like i did deca or something like that you know like the futures accountants of the world or something mm-hmm. like that my wife's a teacher so she's a teacher of kind of like high school so i supported that she supported the swimming team or whatnot so if you want to support your public schools that's a great way to do it we all hear that they're always underfunded so i think it's also great for us to support them and again the state is saying either you pay us the taxes directly or you can basically tell us how to spend the money. Mm-hmm. The end result is going to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So those three items I just talked to you about are about $2,300 for 2023. You can still make the donation now and take it back to 2023. Hmm. Right? So that's 2300 bucks. Mm-hmm. The other 2600 bucks and change is going to come to donations to STOs, which are school tuition organizations. So basically what that is are donations to organizations that basically get the money, the donations, and they distribute that in the form of scholarships or whatnot for private schools. So like usually they're low-income individuals or have some kind of disability or whatnot, and you can get like 2600 bucks. Now, you as a business owner can do it. That's going to be all at the personal level. Or if you're a W-2 person, you know, a standard employee, you can take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. So on top of that, business owners can get additional credits when you donate to an STO, especially if you're an S-Corp. So that one is a little bit different. There's not a limit definition per se. You have to go through a process. You have to apply for it. There is a pool of money that needs to be used up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, again, that's a great vehicle where if you that speaks to you or like you want to support a type of organization, it's a great way for you to get a sizable tax credit if you do it right through your S corporation. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I'm posting a bunch of videos out there about your know, basics and stuff like that. Uh, you can check it out. Aprilia CPA at YouTube. Yeah. Oh, helpful. I'm glad I asked. There you go. Um, let's talk, Donna, time, treasure, and talent, <laughs> right? Um, how can our listeners, because most of them are business owners or entrepreneurs, how can they get involved? You alluded to earlier, it isn't really only just about donating. Right. Um, that's a, a big portion of it. But how else do you encourage our listeners and viewers to get involved? Oh, there's a whole bunch of ways. Obviously, they could volunteer. I know that in some cases, because they're working, the, the workday may not work out for them. But if they're doing any kind of team building within their business, 
grab a bunch of people. What a wonderful way to build camaraderie between coworkers that to stand next to each other serving others. Um, so we do a lot of that. Uh, another thing you could do is hold food drives and make them fun. Okay, so I'm going to poke at you a little yeah, bit, okay? okay? All right, so so you could have a uh, maybe a bean collection, you know, baked beans or refried beans or for the bean counters. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I meant that nicely. You practiced that? I did it, I did it. I used she, came for, she came loaded that's, and prepared. That's a note, I guess, yeah. I thought it was in my notes, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, you could do different cute. things like that to, to make it fun. Yes. Um, you know, looking for um, high-protein foods. Uh, but not only that, what I tell people when I bring them on tours, and we always invite them to come down for a tours as a team-building thing, too, is that think about when you go to the grocery store, what do you buy? I mean, you don't just buy milk and bread. You buy all kinds of things. It could be toiletries. It could be anything. Well, everybody that's in need buys the same things. So have all kinds of drives. Have food drives. Have uh, clothing drives, uh, socks, shoes. I mean, you, you, it just it doesn't stop. If you use it, they need it. Yeah. So that's just one way to think about it. Uh, a thought, as you're saying that, I, I'm a, a solopreneur serve a lot of businesses and a lot of um, executive leaders. And, and although you're in business for yourself as well. So does it make, I mean, like somebody, myself, I wouldn't have to be my team specifically. No, you could come down. Yeah. And, and involve my clients and the community and that sort of you thing. You could bring your clients down. Um, what I would suggest is I always tell people they need to come down for a tour first because then they can look at all the different things that we do because there is so much. And maybe something will just strike them as they're going through the tour and say, that's where I want to volunteer. And then we could go back and we have a whole volunteer services group that will schedule a time that not only does what you want to do, but where you want to do it and when you want to do it and how often you want to do it. Hmm. So we, we again, because that second half of the mission is trying to make it so that you can fulfill your needs to help others. So mm -hmm. um, that's what we do. So it can be anybody. And we even, even have a volunteer event. I think it's once a month. It's called Hearts and Hands because we'll get a lot of people saying, how young can my kids be to volunteer? Right. And obviously at certain places they can't volunteer because they're too young. So we established Hearts and Hands where families can come, little ones too. They might put labels on water bottles that we hand out. They might, you know, just write little notes to put on the beds at our shelter. Little things like that they can do and do it as a family. Mm -hmm. So Anybody, Girl Scouts, you know, boys, troops, everything. Yeah. Just come on encouraged. down. Yeah. yeah. I love that you had mentioned, although early on in our conversation, that when we were talking about taxes and, and the opportunity to, to save and to give, um, it has to be heartfelt. It has to be something that resonates with us, right? right? Not unlike you going into business for yourself and the role that you chose, the path that you chose. When we are in a place of giving, there's always somewhere and someone who needs us. And you've given a lot of great examples. So thank you for that. Oh, bless you. Yeah, yeah. Are there any pressing needs, Donna, right now that uh, St. Vincent de Paul is focusing on? Yes, and I'm really glad you asked that um, because we are seeing that the issue in the Valley and I'm sure in other parts of Arizona as well is uh, people finding themselves on the streets. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's growing. And, you know, as they move people away from one little camp, so to speak, that they have, 
where are they going to go? They have no place else to go. So they go camp somewhere else and then they get moved out of there and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so homelessness uh, is an issue that we're looking at. And so we have a few initiatives that we're working on right now. One of them is to house 2,025 people by 2025. And I this is another cheat sheet thing because yeah. I wanted to look up to see how far we are to that goal. And we're at 1289 right now. And it's February. And it Feb, February. Well, this started last year, so okay. I don't want to misspeak, okay. but it, it, it was it started last year. Uh, but that's still a lofty goal. And one of the things that we do in addition to that is to provide the wraparound services and also provide follow up visits. Because whatever they got into that made them living on the streets might happen again. And we want to follow that before it happens again and prevent it. So homelessness is huge. And we are building a second Ozenum Manor, which should be opening, I think, this spring or summer. uh, The first one houses uh, 60 beds. The second one's going to have 100 beds. And then we're opening yet another one that's going to have about 71 beds. And that one is, let me back up a minute. The Ozenum ones are for people 50 and older or under 50 with a disability. But the the 71 bed is just workforce. So if you need a place to stay because you lost your home and you're working on trying to get your job back or getting a job, that's a place where you can get shelter. And then we have Another shelter on Washington Street uh, where we have 260 beds. And those are more like kind of a, I want to say a bunk kind of thing. Not bunk, but, a, uh, you know, like a camping kind of thing, but in a, in a shelter where you have a cot and you have a place that you can um, actually, you know, have a bed, food, et cetera, bathroom, everything, um, still while you're trying to work on trying to find a way to get back on your feet. So homelessness right now is the key. Um, that's what we're focusing on. So if anybody wants to help with that specific issue, uh, we, we are more than grateful. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Incredible conversation today. Yes. I'm curious, uh, with both of you, do, can you recall, was there a moment in time or an influence in your life early on or sometime in your early adult years that you knew you wanted to be involved, uh, in giving back and, and, and even educating people. What is there someone or an event? Um, for for me, uh, this is silly to admit, but it was watching the kinds of shows that I watched as a young kid, you know, Sesame Street and Electric Company. I don't know if that one counts, but, uh, or even Mr. Rogers. Like, I, that was very impactful for me as a young kid. I don't know how not to be of service. So is there is there something that comes to mind for you? I am drawing a blank. I'm sure it was some kind of cool show that I watched back then, yeah. but I just can't pinpoint it yeah you know i i think it's like it's programmed into us and i think at some point in time in our professional lives it kind of triggers i mm-hmm. at least that i think happened to me it's kind of like every so often you get a nudge it's like you meet certain people and it's like hey yeah it's not all making money it's not about this it's there's something bigger than you yeah Right. I'm going to play off that word nudge. So the name of my parent company uh, is I Nudge. There you go. <laughs> yep. And I, I love when I hear that term. Mm-hmm. It's only, it's been the name of my company for about four years now, but I just always love that because that really is, we were, it, I think we are, um, there's always nudges. We just simply have to listen and pay mm-hmm. attention to them. And they're often around, again, being of service and other-minded. Mm-hmm. Donna, how about for you? Do, you? do you recall what was the influence? I do, but it's really kind of corny. Oh, good. We like corn. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, and forgive me, but 
growing up, uh, I'm Catholic, so I went to Catholic school, and we were always doing service projects and things like that. And it bothered me when I saw people who were hungry. I'm talking little now. I'm talking single-digit age. And I said, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I want to invite people in, give them a meal, and then give them a quarter. And, you know, and that was kind of what my plan was. You know, I was going to help them. And you talk about nudge, that kind of went dormant. And, you know, I went through my legal and all of that stuff. I went to college. I had kids and everything. And I think when I was sitting on the boards, that thing little nudged me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know what? That was what you wanted to do when you were, what, eight years old? And here it is. Again. And here it is. And I never imagined this is what it was going to be, though. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you listened. Yeah. Well, it's not a corny story. I'm like, I want my money back. <laughs> Can you make something up? <laughs> well, well, we'll donate it. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, to close out this segment, I would love to ask two more questions, and you can decide which one you want to start with if, if you're uh, comfortable answering both. One, who has been influential in your life? Sometimes folks say it's a parent. Sometimes it's a mentor, or or sometimes it's somebody they, again, they saw in the movie or something like that, or a book that they read. Is there somebody who's been of great influence to you throughout your life? And then the other question I have for you, tell us something, since we're, you know, looking for the, not, not corny necessarily, but the <laughs> juicy story. Uh, tell us something about you that that maybe not a lot of people would know, something unique about you. Well, something, I, mean, I love to travel. So oh, With we, your family? With my wife. With yeah. your wife, yeah. Yeah, we love to travel with uh, being lucky enough to be to several countries. We, we want to do more. COVID kind of put a pause on that or yeah. whatnot, but definitely love to travel. Um, you know, last year we went, we did a cruise through the ba- Baltic Sea. We mm-hmm. never thought we were going to do that, but the opportunity came up, so we took advantage of that. How many days? 12 days. Oh, my gosh. The best part not... is I've never done a cruise before, oh, wow. and I get seasick. So why did I sign up? I was It was a really good deal and opportunity, and I'm like, why the heck? I'll just load up on Dramamine and see what happens. <laughs> yep. So it was great. It was a great opportunity, great learning experience, and Would awesome. you do it again? Would you cruise again? I would do it again. Uh, I would definitely do that. I would love to do the Mediterranean one, you know? Yes. Um, or an Alaska cruise. I was just going to ask if you would do a cold region cruise. Yeah, yeah, I love I love cruising. I haven't done it often. It's okay. been a while since I've done it. And also, I get seasick as well. I wore the little uh, patches. Yeah, I bought the, the wristband. <laughs> did not need that after all. Oh, good. Yeah. Very good. So yeah. kind of like, I just made this investment for nothing. But yeah. whatever it is, what it is. But yeah. No, it was, it was great. It was amazing. Great. How about for you, Donna? Something that maybe people don't know about you? Um, well, I just came back from Alaska in oh. September, so we can talk, and I have been on a few cruises, and I want to do the Mediterranean. Mine's kind of funny, again, is that uh, my family and I, we, we, I actually had a donor who told me, um, whatever you do, make sure you have Sunday dinner with your family. And I told my kids, you know, you got to come to, to mom's with the kids and have Sunday dinner. Well, I have to tell you that what we do around that dinner table with the laughing and the goofiness, and my kids love to watch movies, so they're using movie lines in everything we do, and it never fails that somebody will say something. We all know the movie line's coming. To me, that is like, I love to laugh, and to me, that is something that just I don't know if anyone else does that, but I love it. And I just love the fact that I can laugh with my kids and have such a wonderful relationship. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. It's just something that I just never thought of before until that donor said, you should do this. And I did. Mm-hmm. So hmm, beautiful. Uh, so then the other question that I have for you, um, you know, who 
has been a role model for you, if anyone, an author, a speaker, a, a family member, someone like that. I my my while you're thinking about who that is for you, my mom comes to mind, and and I'll be honest with you, she's never come to mind for me when answering this question before. No, I don't. It's very kind of emotional for me right now. Growing up as a young girl, my mom was my idol. I just adored everything about her. And then she went through a mental health crisis when I was entering high school, and it shattered my world and shattered us as a family. And then as a young woman and then becoming a mother and going into education, uh, we were estranged for a while because it was very difficult uh, for us to be in relation, very unhealthy to be in relationship. However, when my mom passed and tying it into financial planning and CPA and, and giving, I remember sitting when I was there with my siblings with her CPA or her financial advisor, I guess it was. And he said, while your mom didn't have a whole lot of money, she came in and educated herself year after year after year about how to save, how to really work on the investments that we created so that she could live off that. She was a, a woman who had to jump around from job to job, just couldn't maintain jobs. So it's fascinating. When I asked that, you that question, I thought, well, I should probably have someone in mind. And I typically have a couple go-tos when I'm asked those questions in different environments. Never thought of my mom before. So uh, for whatever reason, thank you for, <laughs> for inspiring that. But she, she is um, why I think I'm a great mom and a great parent. And I do remember one thing she said to me when I was in high school, and I'll never forget it. Be kind to everyone. You never know who you're going to run into down the road or who might need you or, you know, somebody might be there to help you. So if you're kind to everybody and not just running in that same circle all the time, um, you know, your life will be rich and rewarding. And, and that's one, the one piece of advice that really stuck with my mom. And it is, it really runs, it's a thread that runs through my whole life. So there we go. It doesn't have to be as long winded as me, but <laughs> is there someone in your life that has been uh, somebody either, you know, or someone that you've admired that's been instrumental, either of you? I would say my family. It's, it's uh, you know, entrepreneurs inspired, like the challenge that they've gone through and still be able to be resilient and, you know, roll up your sleeves and continue going uh, for what you want, the work ethic. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's inspiring. I mean, you know, life doesn't really, it never goes like this, right? It's mm -hmm. always like this. Sometimes you really mm -hmm. go into that one is how do you pick yourself back up and, it's that ability to get back up and continue the, the fight. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what inspires me. I love it. And that entrepreneurial journey, you and I know, <laughs> it's full of dips and valleys and peaks and, and everything in between. And it, they say that being an entrepreneur, a business owner is the greatest discovery of self that you'll ever have because you, you, you got to look at yourself square in the mirror <laughs> and, and peek behind the corner to make sure you get to the next level and do what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, especially kind of a sidebar is like I've talked to people. You know, I have a lot of restaurant experience in regards to sure growing up in a restaurant, but also like helping people with like looking stuff like that. And I'm like, this is a labor. Opening a restaurant is a labor of love. If you can make money at it, it's great. But don't go into it's like, oh, I got this great restaurant. I'm gonna make a boatload of money <laughs> and this and that. And I'm like. Nah, this is a labor of love first and foremost. You you gotta you gotta li live it and breathe that restaurant. Thinking about recipes and stuff like that. If you're looking for a nine to five in a restaurant. It's very seldom that you see that. I've seen a couple of people do it, but most people 
Yeah. It's, it's your lives. Yeah. So. I love how that ties back to what uh, Donna, you had shared around San, uh, Sunday meals with your mm-hmm. family, right? Food is is the way that we gather. And again, that ties back to the way that uh, St. Vincent de Paul, one of the ways mm-hmm. that you guys are of service, especially mm-hmm. with that family dining room mm-hmm. and its restaurant style. Mm-hmm. How about for you? Who has been instrumental for you? Well, there's been a lot of people. I, I, you know, I'm very strong or hope to be strong in my faith. But I would say that of all the people I think about, it's my mom too. Because my mom had a lot of obstacles in her life, and whatever she did, she would tell me stories about things that would seem like a challenge, and then how she looked at what was available and turned it into an opportunity. Hmm. And it was like, I think from that, when I have something that's difficult, I take a step back and go, how can we make this right? How can we fix this? Which, you know, I don't work directly with the the people that we serve at St. Vincent de Paul, but I see how that potential is there because there's always a way to make it work. And so I have a picture of my mom, a little one, just a snapshot, which is pretty funny because she's she was older when she had me. And she's sitting on a motorcycle circa 1940. <gasps> anyway, I won't go into detail, but, <laughs> but it is a pretty funny fi- picture. Come for a tour and I'll show you the picture. Um, and, you know, she, you could just see she was like, I'm not going to let anything get in my way. I'm going to do it. And I don't care what the challenge is, bring it on, I'll fix it. And that's the way she was. And I kind of hope I have a little bit of that. Well, so, Just based on what you share today, I'm, yeah. I'm confident that you do. It really has been a great pleasure to get to know both of you and, of course, your business and your organization. Thank you again, Aldo, for accepting the invitation to come and thinking to bring Donna. Thank you, Karen. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me, both of you. You bet. Before we close out the segment, if you could let our listeners and viewers know the website or where where it's best to stay in touch and how they can come, at least in your case, to come for a tour. Yes. Can I give a website and a phone number? Absolutely. Okay. So our website is stvincentdepaul.net, and it's stvincentdepaul.net. And if you go on there, there is a plethora of information that'll tell you about volunteering services, everything you want to do, including donating. But if you'd like to talk to me for your last minute tax credit donation, or if there's anything else that you would like to talk about as far as plan giving, I'm not a tax preparer, but I would be more than happy to talk to you. And my phone number is uh, 602-261-6884. Perfect. And on social, you guys are on social as well. Yeah, and I think we have that information for you, but I don't yep. I don't have okay. that. We are on we are in LinkedIn, we're on yeah. everything. And Facebook. It's super easy to find. If you yeah. go to the website, oftentimes there's it's you know the little the, the, the yeah. little icons. Yep. Uh great. How about you, Aldo? Well, the best way to get a hold of me in social media is gonna be Aprile CPA. So it's just my last name, A-P-R-I-L-E, then CPA. Just look me up. On LinkedIn, um, my full name is Aldo Aprile, so CPA, and people can find me. If uh, I also have a website with Aprile CPA. And YouTube. And YouTube channel as I well. I love that. And if you really are looking for somebody to look at your business or whatnot, you can send me a text at 602-842-1777. And does that just start with a basic conversation? For our listeners and viewers who are like, I really, I, I feel like I could gel with you and I really could learn a lot. Uh, do they just reach out and say, hey, let's just have a conversation? Yeah, absolutely. What we can do is if just, uh, you know, if, whether you send me a text or to social media, we'll send you a link so we can do a, a discovery call, find out what your needs are and see if we're a good fit. Because to me, that's what the most important thing is. It's about the fit. Yeah. I remember you sharing with me when we got to know each other 
in our kind of intro call, you said you're not looking to serve everyone and have great volume. We're really looking to to partner and run alongside folks year after year so that they can experience that success and be in the know when it comes to all the things that you're knowledgeable about. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, again, thank you both for being here. It's been a pleasure. Thank You've you. been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening.